You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Mrs. Katzker's baby boy, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. That was new. Yeah, I thought I'd th- you know mix it up a little bit. We we you know it's a new year. Let's let's make it, let's spice it up a little bit. Sort of a New Year baby. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why you get to be Mrs. Katzker's baby boy, and I don't, but maybe that's because it's because I do the intro, so you get to... Uh, I'm, the, I'm the baby. You are the littlest one. The youngest yeah, one. Yeah, the youngest one. You're, you're the youngest of her sons. Mother so, always liked you best. I, well, I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true, but regardless, it's time, Brain, for the 2020 Miami Dolphins season preview show here on the same old Dolphin show. Yes, yes, get fired up. It's remarkable. I can't believe we have made it to this point. It feels, we talked about in our last episode, how this entire preseason has felt weird and how kind of really more or less everything in the year 2020 has felt weird. And that hasn't changed. It just continues to be weird that without having seen any preseason football, we are just over a week away from kicking off the first Miami Dolphins game of the 2020 season. We're less than a week away from the start of the 2020 NFL season. And it's just, it's, you know, it's that strange feeling because it feels like, it feels like football is, you know, approaching, you know, it, it, you have that feel. I have the feeling right now, like it feels like we're ready to start the preseason, ready to get some preseason games in, but we're in actuality well past that and ready to start real, actual, meaningful football here in just over a week. Yeah, I literally can't believe it because it really does not feel like it. <laughs> it's it's such a weird thing because we're so conditioned to have those preseason games, not just as a warm-up for these players and these teams, but as a warm-up for the fans to really get excited, to jump right in to regular season football and have it matter. It just feels bizarre. That's the case. It's a weird year, and and here we are. And we're just going to ride out the weirdness, and we're going to do it with you here 
on the same old Dolphin Show and as always here on DolphinsTalk.com. So here's what we're going to do today. In this episode of the show, we're going to go week by week through the 2020 Dolphins schedule and just give you quick hit thoughts on each game, predict whether we think the Dolphins are going to win and lose. We'll end up with our predictions for their 2020 win-loss record, and then we'll talk a little bit about some predictions for the year as far as who we think might be Dolphins award winners, rookie of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, that kind of stuff. We'll sort of close the show with that. But first, we're going to talk about the news that broke just a couple of days ago as we're recording this about the Dolphins fielding phone calls for Josh Rosen. And we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But first, if you haven't done so yet, make sure that you are following us on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. Aaron is at Aaron the Brain. That's A-A-Ron the Brain. And the show is at same old dolphins. And of course, if you haven't done so already, we also again invite you to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere where you get where you can find podcasts, you can find the same old dolphin show. So we invite you to uh, leave us some kind words and leave us a positive rating. It really helps us out, really helps out the show. And of course, last but certainly not least, make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com every single day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins news and information. So make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com and reading all of the great articles up there as well as listening to all of the podcasts that are uh, starting to come back up. We've got a lot of shows that sort of took the the off season off and they're starting up now. So you'll see those popping into your feeds again soon. So uh, yeah, proud to be part of the DolphinsTalk.com family. All right, let's take a look. So news broke earlier this week that the Dolphins were, and Adam Schefter broke this news, that the Dolphins were listening to offers for Josh Rosen. And I think it's not a terribly surprising thing because, you know, Rosen is a top 10 quarterback. He was a top 10 quarterback when he was drafted. And we should say he was a top, he was drafted as a top 10 quarterback. Sure. I I wouldn't call him a top 10 quarterback. That's fair. He was drafted as a top 10 quarterback. He was drafted in the top 10 and has just sort of had a a series of bad breaks. He, He was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals and had a lackluster season as their quarterback before there was a regime, a regime change in Arizona that resulted in Cliff Kingsbury coming in and drafting Kyler Murray, which meant that it was time for Josh Rosen to be shipped out. The Dolphins traded a second round pick for him. He came to Miami and then he was Ryan Fitzpatrick's backup until he had an opportunity to make a couple of starts last year. It was not terribly impressive. And Ryan Fitzpatrick got his job back. And then, of course, as we all know, the Dolphins drafted Tua Tungavailoa this season or this year at the draft. And so now Rosen is there sort of locked in a battle with Tua for that number two quarterback spot. So, you know, and we're in a year where there is a lot of teams are looking to maybe have that extra quarterback on their roster because with COVID and all of the things that are going on with that, you never know when you're going to need that extra depth, particularly at the quarterback position. And if there's one place where you want to make sure that you are, you have some kind of options available, the quarterback is the big position. So the Dolphins are sort of fielding some offers on this. Brain, 
Um, in is there a world where you think the Dolphins actually deal Rosen to somebody? First off, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but there. As soon as we started this this pod, uh, they the landscapers showed up, and so they're uh, they're cutting the grass outside. So I apologize for the, for the loud noises outside of my uh, window here in the in the home office. But as far as dealing Rosen, I I felt coming in. Uh, if this was a normal preseason, the idea was going to be to really play Rosen a lot in the preseason to try to showcase him to make that deal. As far as dealing him prior to the season starting, I think that the Dolphins would like to. I think that it's possible that they that they like Jake Rudock enough to feel comfortable with him as a third quarterback. So if they get any kind of decent offer for Josh Rosen, that they'll deal him. And if if Rosen isn't going to play, then it's going to be hard to build his trade value up any higher than it already is at this present moment. I think right now it's they probably have an idea for a price that they have in mind for what they would deal him for. And since they haven't dealt him, they, they haven't gotten that, uh, that value back. Uh, but maybe it's one of those things where they hold him, they play their clothes, their, their cards tight to the vest. Uh, and then they just, they wait and they see, and they see if they can get uh, close to that value. And, and maybe they make the deal. I could also see, look, we haven't had any preseason games. Usually, you have the preseason, and it's only about a week or two into the preseason, and somebody gets hurt. And if somebody gets hurt, that team is going to want, especially at the quarterback position, that team's going to want a viable option. Now, are they going to want to give up a ton for a for a relatively unproven quarterback to come in who doesn't necessarily know their system or their players? I don't really know, but I guess they, they'd have Rosen for an extra year because I think he's got two years left on his deal this year and the next at a very cheap price. So maybe you can get a third or a fourth round pick. I would love to get a third round pick. I think that may be what they're holding out for. I think they would do it ultimately for a fourth if it came to it, if they held on to him long enough. Because it, I mean, but but then again. There's value in keeping him. Look, you, you've got Tua Tungavailoa. Fitzpatrick's contract is up after this year. And you've got Rosen signed through next season. So you don't really know what Tua is going to be. We all hope he's going to be the franchise quarterback. Uh, but if Rosen has, tr- has truly done all the right things in training camp and is truly growing at the position and they see potential in him, then... There's no reason they can't keep him till next year. And if, if, if he ends up being one, either a great backup option, he, he would have more trade value next year, or he could flat out beat out, beat Tua for the starting job next year. In which case you're talking about signing him long term. And then you've got this trade chip in, in Tua Tunga Vailoa that you've got. Uh, stored up for a few years. So I don't know that it's necessarily worth it to trade him for, I mean, certainly not a fifth round pick, but uh, I think even a fourth round pick, I don't even know that it's worth it. Uh, But I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. I certainly think there's a world where we deal him. 
Um, I think it's just they've got a price in mind, and I I would hope that they'd stick to their guns and and not go below that price. Yeah, I think, well, that's the advantage that the Dolphins have in this situation is that they have the leverage of really not needing to move on from Rosen. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, he is on, he's dirt cheap right now. So there's no reason for the Dolphins to move on from him unless they can get the value that they want. It makes more sense for them to keep him around, frankly, um, in the event that they don't get the value that they're looking for. Now, now, there are certainly teams out there that I'm sure would have genuine interest. You know, maybe teams with aging quarterbacks who are in the final year of their deals um, or, or planning to retire. You know, maybe a, a team like New Orleans with a Drew Brees who seems to be on his last legs. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe... Maybe Tampa Bay. I don't know how much longer Tom Brady is planning to play, and they and they certainly seem to be going all in to win now this year. Um, so I mean, there are certainly teams out there that might have interest. The, the New Orleans thing is is interesting. We there is a rumor out there, and I don't know how much I bought into it that that the trade that the New Orleans Saints were were shopping around Alvin Kamara. Is there a world, Brain, I, and this is just, I'm just thinking an idea popped into my head just now. Is there a world where you think, where you would be willing to part with Josh Rosen and and a pick for next year's draft in order to bring in a guy like Alvin Kamara? Oh, I mean, heck yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know how much interest New Orleans would have in Josh Rosen uh, considering they they just brought in Jameis Winston, but I guess they draw they brought in Winston at at the minimum. But are they going to go a season with 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 Winston and Rosen backing up Drew Brees? I don't know. That seems kind of weird. I would think I would love <laughs> to get Alvin Kamara on this roster. And personally, my my philosophy on just building a team is I think similar to what we've seen thus far with Brian Flores and Chris Greer, where they don't want uh, one, the superstar player that's making the the bajillionaire contract, and two, they don't want to spend that money at the running back position. That said, we have kind of built this roster now. We've started to build a foundation. There are still Look, we're going to find out a lot about uh, the true needs of this roster as the season progresses, and we'll know a lot more at the end of the season than we know right now. But if if even half of the moves that the Dolphins made this offseason, whether free agency or the, or the draft, come to fruition and end up being good moves and work out, then they don't have a ton of needs going forward, and they have a lot of picks and they have a decent amount of money to spend. And so one of those needs that are at, that is going to be at the forefront potentially depending on what happens at the running back position this season with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida is the running back position. And and my my thought is, look, we're we're building this thing to build as good a roster uh around Tua while he's on his rookie contract. That's the plan. So whatever elite playmakers you can get on either side of the ball, but especially the offensive side of the ball to make Tua's job easier, uh, I'm all for it. Now, as for whether or not I, what it would take to trade him, I think the Saints are in a, are in a weird position because I think, I think they'd like to trade him, 
uh, strictly from a value standpoint, because I don't think they have any interest in paying him that bajillionaire contract. But on the sa- at the same time, they need him for this year because they're championship or bust. So I think they're gonna hold. I think they're gonna hold on to him unless they get absolutely blown away with a deal, and that would mean, you know, giving up potentially a you know a first round pick and then probably another pick to get him and then you still have to pay him um and so I don't feel super confident doing that I would feel more confident as a Dolphins fan and if I was Chris Greer what I would do is I would play the long game hopefully that he doesn't sign a long-term deal with the Saints or the Saints don't trade him to somebody else who then signs him to a long-term deal. And if he hits free agency next year, then he becomes arguably my top priority in free agency. And then you you can pay him all that money and not have to give up multiple high-value picks for him. That would be my choice. But while I'm not usually for spending a bunch of money at the running back position, and I'm not usually for making the big splashy signing on one player, he's a special talent. I think he's easily one of the top four or five offensive players in the in the entire league. And so if he hits the open market, I'm down. Give him to me. And if we traded for him, well, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, depending on what we have to give up to get him, I wouldn't necessarily love it because, I, you know, like I said, I don't want to give up a whole bunch of draft capital. I'm never going to hate adding a player of that much talent to the roster when you're when the goal is to try to build a championship within a couple of seasons, which that that's the goal. Don't Don't be mistaken. The goal is that, this is a championship caliber team within the next three or four years. Yes, that is in fact the goal. The Dolphins are rebuilding. They're expected to really arrive on the scene next season. So, you know, they're going to need to make some upgrades. And I think as you look at their roster now, we're certainly looking at it. This is a, certainly a team that needs to make a big splash on the uh, I think at the wide receiver position, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dolphins bring in a pretty high-profile wide receiver next year. Um, so we're in that re- we're in that building stage, and we're getting close to the point where you need to kind of bring in a big playmaker. And I think there's a possibility of so the the Kamara thing is just a really interesting thing. I don't know how you know seriously possible it is again i just don't know how serious the the saints are about really wanting to move on to him or whether the the trading thing is just something that they're using as leverage or or whatever it is but well it, what it is is that camara's holding out <laughs> so camara's holding out and what we've seen over the last 2 years with levion bell and melvin gordon is that you know there's no guarantee that, that Alvin Kamara is going to come back and be ready to play early in the season, and there's no guarantee that he's going to come back at all. And so they might be looking at it and say, well, let's get what we can for him. Again, yeah, I don't know how realistic it is. I think the Saints still hold all the all the leverage there, and I think they're not going to deal him unless they get absolutely blown away by by a deal. But again, you know, the Saints 
are in championship or bust mode, the last thing they need is a negativity swirling around their locker room. So they might just, you know, if, if Alvin Kamara, uh, it doesn't suit up in week one and this is still hanging over their heads and they're getting asked about it every day, they might just get to a point where they say, you know what? Screw it. Like the Dolphins did last year with Minka Fitzpatrick. Traded him for one first-round pick. Now, yes, Alvin Kamara has proven a lot more at this level than Minka Fitzpatrick had at that point. And arguably, you know, well, certainly a more high-profile position, not necessarily a more important position, but certainly a more a higher-profile position. But if you've got that negativity swirling around your locker room and it's becoming a distraction, that can certainly hinder your team in a quest for a championship like the Saints are. So I could see the Saints dealing him. Again, I just think it's going to be, uh, I think they've got to be blown away by a deal. I don't see them trading him for a second round pick. Yeah. And much as, so much as the Dolphins have that position with Josh Rosen where they can wait for the value, the Saints appear to be maybe doing the same thing with Kamara. Uh, a couple of other names that we've heard, well, we've, we've heard Nick Needham's name bounced around as somebody else the Dolphins are fielding calls about. I, I think it's just sort of that time of year in that last week or so before the season where you see big names either released or teams making deals like we saw as we're recording this on Friday that Adrian Peterson was released from the Washington Redskins today. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting things happening. And it's that it's that period of time right before the season starts when teams are taking shape while the rosters are are coming together, these types of moves start to happen. And, you know, it's not out of the ordinary for there to be a few surprises along the way. And so maybe the Dolphins will will make a trade for, you know, they'll they'll send Josh Rosen somewhere. Maybe they send Nick Needham somewhere. He's one of the names that we've heard um, rumored that the Dolphins are fielding calls about. It's it's that kind of time. You know, teams are looking to fill out their rosters. And, you know, you look at a guy like Nick Needham, who put a lot of really great stuff on tape towards the end of last season and who is now buried in a very deep backfield, a uh, deep defensive backfield for the Miami Dolphins. And yeah, it wouldn't, you know, this might be a great opportunity for him to move somewhere and for the Dolphins to take advantage of the depth that they have at that position. So uh, we'll have more on this as things sort of develop. And if, if there are, in fact, moves when we come back for our week one preview next week, we will be sure to talk about all of that as the Dolphins cut down their roster to 53 men here in the next day or so. Let's go now to the 2020 week by week Miami Dolphins 2020 season preview. We're, we're not going to spend too much time on each game. We're just going to go quick hits game by game, give you a couple of quick thoughts on it, and then tell you whether we think the Dolphins are going to win or we're going, or they're going to lose. We are also contributing to an article that will be released up on DolphinsTalk.com, hopefully in time for the Thursday night season kickoff for the NFL. Um, where a bunch of members of the DolphinsTalk.com staff will put down their predictions for each game in the article, giving their thoughts. Um, we're also going to be appearing on the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast this week, contributing to a roundtable discussion as we go week by week. So this is your first chance to hear some of our thoughts, and then we, we may expand on those a little bit in the article coming up on DolphinsTalk.com, and we'll also talk a little bit more 
uh, on the Roundtable Show with Mike and Tom and Big E uh, a little bit later next week. So this is always a really difficult proposition of, of sort of going week by week at the beginning of the season and trying to figure out how the Dolphins are going to fare. It's even tougher this year when we don't really have an idea of, of how this Dolphins team is looking. And because they are in... Uh, they're in this kind of rebuild mode and they're sort of moving towards what eventually will hopefully be their final championship winning form. Um, it, it's hard to say just how much progress this team has made when all we have to go on are reports and little clips out of training camp as, as opposed to having at least some sort of substantial preseason game footage to go off of. Um, the same thing for some of these other teams that we're going to be previewing. And week one is probably the hardest one to gauge of all of these games because the New England Patriots have undergone something of a complete transformation. I think their defense is probably taking some steps back, but their offense that had been helmed by Tom Brady for years and years and years is now going to be helmed by Cam Newton, who the Patriots took a flyer on for dirt cheap in free agency, and he is now coming in and has been named the starting quarterback, although Bill Belichick refuses to say so officially. Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. So this team now this season is going to look, I think, almost completely different than what we are used to. And that makes predicting this game very, very difficult. Now, again, I don't know that any, but too many of us would have predicted the Dolphins would have gone into Foxborough and won when we did last year at the end of the regular season. And equally, I think we're going to have a hard time doing that this year, especially knowing that the Patriots are so good at game planning and, and figuring things out. Um, and of course, the flip side of the coin is Bill Belichick is really good at game planning for his opponents, but he has no idea what the Dolphins are bringing to the table. So it's really kind of a grab bag in week one, but it's the Dolphins on the road against a New England team with an offense that really none of us have seen before. And I, I tend to think that they're going to come out ready to execute and it's going to be good. And whereas I think the Dolphins um, are going to probably have a little bit of rust and it's going to take them a little while to get going. And as such, I'm going to predict the Dolphins travel to New England in week one and come back home with a loss. Brain, week one, Dolphins at New England. For all the reasons that you said, this is a tough one to predict. And part of me uh, feels like the Patriots have this huge learning curve because they're going with, because it's their first season in so many, in so long without Brady. Although they did have that one year that they started with Garoppolo and they started out really strong. But I also think it's the most, it's probably the most motivated Bill Belichick has been since being a young coach. Tate first going first becoming the head coach of the Patriots to really prove himself. So I think you're going to get the best of Bill Belichick, but I also think that the Dolphins have more continuity right now. Uh, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, the, the Patriots probably have more continuity on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be a close, low scoring game. 
I want to pick the Dolphins, and you know what? I'm going to do it. I think when the Patriots have been beaten, even when the Patriots have been at their best, they've always been susceptible at the beginning of the year and have gotten better as the year goes on. So I think the Dolphins go into Foxborough and start the season on a high note with an upset over New England. Oh, that's incredible. That would be two straight wins for the Dolphins at Foxborough. Uh, It would take some digging to figure out the last time the Dolphins won back-to-back games in Foxborough. So maybe you can figure that out while I move on to week two, where the Dolphins come home for their first home game of the season. There will be 13,000 lucky Miami Dolphin fans at Hard Rock Stadium as the Dolphins host the Buffalo Bills. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here. I think the Buffalo Bills are the team that is going to win the AFC East this season. Their, their defense has been very good. Their offense is upgraded. Um, that wide receiver core, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Andre Roberts, they, they've got UCF Knight, Gabriel Davis. Go Gabe Davis, charge on, go Knights. Uh, listen, and, and that also goes with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in the backfield. And of course, Josh Allen, who is a very unpredictable quarterback. I, I, I like the, the look of the Bills this year. I think they're the odds on favorite in my mind to win the AFC East. And I think the Dolphins are going to have a very tough time against this Bills team. Again, a Bills team that also has a very, very stout defense. Again, it's, it's, and it's hard to know what the Dolphins offense is going to look like. So I'm, I'm sort of hedging on that a little bit, but I think the Bills are going to come into Hard Rock Stadium and, and hand the Dolphins a loss in their home opener. And so I, I, I see the Dolphins starting off 0-2. Brain. Bills at Dolphins. I completely agree with your assessment on Buffalo. I think they're definitely the favorite to win the AFC East, and, I, and I'm going to pick them to win the AFC East. And as excited as as will be going 1-0, coming off of a win in Foxborough, I think we our, uh, our excitement kind of gets back. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of fall flat, and we, we, we say, okay, we're not that good. Uh, and I think Buffalo uh, hands us our first loss of the season. Very good. Let's go to week three where the Dolphins have their their lone, currently, what is currently their lone nationally televised game this season on Thursday night in primetime against who else but the actual, thir- the official Thursday night football home team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars, though they are not going to admit it because why would they? They seem to be in full on tank mode right now. And this is where I believe the Dolphins are going to pick up their first win of the season. Jacksonville's offense still has some interesting elements uh, without, of course, Leonard Fournette, who they recently parted ways with. But Raquel Armstead, by all reports, seems like he's going to be a pretty good fill-in there. Uh, Minshew Mania is there at quarterback and a decent wide receiving core in Jacksonville. But their their defense is significantly weaker than what it used to be as the the Jaguars have just been parting with defensive elements left and right here over the past few weeks. This is it. This is the prime spot. Even though it's tough, always tough to win away on a Thursday night, I predict that this is going to be where the Dolphins pick up their first win of the season on the road in Jacksonville. Yeah, I hate having these Thursday night games on the road, but if you're going to have one, have it be in Jacksonville. It's not not much travel, and Jacksonville is arguably the worst team in in the NFL this season. Uh, I think the Dolphins go into Jacksonville and come out two and one. Very good. We're going on to week four, 
where and now this is always an exciting game in my household because my wife as the, if any of longtime listeners of this show will know that my wife and her family diehard Seattle Seahawks fans and in week 4 we get the once every 4 years matchup of the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks the Seahawks coming into Miami traveling across the country on one of if not the single longest flight in the continental United States from Seattle to Fort Lauderdale, or if they fly into Miami, it is the longest longest continuous nonstop flight in the continental United States is from Seattle to Miami. Anyway, I digress. The Seattle Seahawks coming in to take on your Miami Dolphins, and I kind of like the looks of the Seattle team. Russell Wilson is just one of the more consistent quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's got some good weapons there. Uh, The Seahawks have uh, re-sign Josh Gordon. I don't know whether he's going to be reinstated by the NFL or not. And the, the Seahawks defense is always a lot to handle. And again, I just don't know that I've got confidence yet in this Dolphins offense. And maybe when we do our actual game preview, when we get to the week of this game, maybe I'll feel differently. But as I look at it now from sort of 10,000 feet here before the season begins, I see this as a loss for your Miami Dolphins at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Are you 10,000 feet above sea level? Well, I'm not not exactly 10,000 feet above sea level, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's a, a figure of speech. I'd never heard that one. I really like this Seattle team. They, they're probably my pick to come out of the NFC in a but the NFC is just so packed with so many good teams that I, I think you could pick five or six teams out of the NFC, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they were in the Super Bowl or or won the whole thing. But that said, uh, I think this is a, a really difficult matchup for a Dolphins offense that I think will still be finding its footing, uh, still potentially shuffling things on the offensive line at this point. Who knows? Obviously, we never know what kind of injuries will will be you know, the, the team will be dealing with it at any point in the season. But I think with so many question marks in the offensive end, anytime you play Seattle, that that's a, a recipe for disaster. That said, that West Coast to East Coast one o'clock start is a huge advantage, especially with the advantage that the Dolphins have had playing at home early in the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close game, but I just can't pick Miami in this game. So I think Seattle wins a closer than expected game. All right. So that takes us to week five. And just as you think it's difficult for a team to fly from the West Coast to the East Coast, it is also very difficult for a team to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast. And in week five, the Miami Dolphins travel to San Francisco to take on one of the favorites to come out of the NFC at the end of the season, the San Francisco 49ers. And this is just a team that is very complete and very tough. And I think the Dolphins are just not going to match up particularly well with the 49ers. I see this as a loss as well. Yeah, it's going to be tough to go into San Francisco against that loaded roster that's hungry uh, from their Super Bowl defeat a year ago. They were one quarter away from winning the title, so they've definitely got a chip on their shoulder trying to avenge that this season. And going into San Francisco, I don't see the Dolphins coming away with a victory. I think San Francisco wins that one easily. And probably the Dolphins' uh, biggest uh, defeat or largest deficit uh, of the season thus far. 
So the brain picking not just a defeat, but a lopsided defeat. Well, the following week, the Dolphins, and in all likelihood, the Dolphins will fly home from that game in San Francisco, spend a few days back in South Florida before turning right back around and flying almost all the way across the country to take on the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke. This one, I I went back and forth on this game for, for quite a bit because while I think Drew Locke is a guy that has a lot of potential, he's not quite proven yet. And I feel like this Denver team is not really built to be competitive in that tough AFC West. Um, I think that, I mean, by far and away, the Kansas City Chiefs are the class of that division. And then I think there's the Chargers below them. And then I I, I see the Broncos probably in that third spot and then the Raiders towards the bottom of the division. But the Dolphins have a pretty good history of playing well in Denver. And I think they're going to do that again here. I'm predicting the Dolphins go into the Mile High City and get a victory. Yeah, I, like you, uh, have been back and forth on this one. I've got the Dolphins coming off of back-to-back losses for the first time in the season. And you're going into Denver. Denver is sort of a trendy kind of sleeper team for a lot of people as a team that could challenge for whether it's a, a the six wild card spot or, you know, the six seed or that new seventh seed. Cause this is the first year that uh, the NFL is going to have seven teams from each conference making the playoffs. I think that, you know, Denver, look, they're, they're still a very solid defensive team. They've done a lot of work on that offensive line. Drew Locke came on strong at the end of his rookie year. Uh, they've they've added some pieces. They've had some wide receivers in Cortland Sutton uh, that that look like they're ready to take the neck take their game to the next level. So they're they're kind of a trendy pick in that regard. And but I, I think Denver and Miami are very very similar in the way that they're kind of. They're on the rise, but I don't know if they're quite there yet. But as a tiebreaker, the game is in Denver. And I know that the Dolphins do have a history of playing fairly well in Denver, but it's still a difficult place to play. And so I'm taking the Broncos to give the Dolphins their third consecutive loss. In week Seven, the Dolphins play the first of two back-to-back games against teams from Los Angeles. So a lot of unbelievable, like there's a stretch here from week four all the way to week nine where the Dolphins are playing teams that are two, uh, two time zones or more away from them. So uh, week seven, they welcomed the Los Angeles Chargers into town. And this is again, where just looking at it on paper, I think the Chargers are probably a better team than the Miami Dolphins overall. But I know that the Chargers just for some reason are one of those teams where they, they struggle when they come to Miami. So I see the Dolphins knocking off Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor and the Los Angeles Chargers in week seven. Dolphins get the win. Yeah, I like the talent on this Chargers roster, but I, I think there's major question marks at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, after all those years with Phillip Rivers at the helm, you knew that they were going to be a solid offensive team. And now you don't know whether it's Tyrod Taylor or whether it's uh, the rookie Justin Herbert at this point in the season. Even if Tyrod Taylor starts the season, I would think at, at this point in the season, you'd probably be getting a good look at Justin Herbert. 
Um, and I think by this time in the season, the Dolphins' defense will have really gelled. And coming off of, in my eyes, three straight losses, coming back home, playing a team that once again is going West Coast to East Coast for a 1 o'clock start, uh, I think everything lines up for the Dolphins to uh, get off the schneid and and get a victory over the Chargers to go to 3-4. and four. Excellent. Um, by the way, uh, just a sidebar here. I've, I've done the research here, or rather, the producer did some research here. And 1999 and 2000 is the last time the Dolphins won back-to-back games in Foxborough. In 99, the Dolphins traveled to Foxborough and beat the Patriots 31-30. to And then in the year 2000, the Dolphins uh, closed out the regular season with a 27 to 24 victory over the Patriots in Foxborough. So that's how long ago, 20 years since the Dolphins have gone back to back seasons with a win in New England. So that's a, a weird year. It is. It's a weird year. It's 2020. You know, lots There's of no, wacky things. No possible. Tom Brady. No Tom Brady. It's Cam Newton. It's Bill Belichick. It's Sony Michelle. And Damian Harris. Keel Harry. Yeah. You know, Julian Edelman. All right, we're getting way off track. Let's go. Week eight. Back-to-back weeks with Los Angeles teams. This week, it's the Rams coming in, and uh, I don't see the Dolphins getting so lucky this time around. I think that the Rams are going to have a little bit too much for the Dolphins to handle. That is a hot offense um, that the Rams have and that Sean McVay is overseeing, and I see the Rams coming in to Dolphin Stadium, or Hard Rock Stadium, rather, and getting the win. So it's, uh, the Dolphins lose that one. Yeah, this is another one that I'm back and forth on because, again, this is another example of a West Coast team coming to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock start. Uh, I do think the Rams are the better team. I, you know, They obviously took a step back last year after uh, – after the the season before uh, being one of the elite teams in the league. Uh, but that said, <laughs> you know, I, I think they're a good team. I think they're a playoff team. But Miami is not necessarily going to be an easy place to play, and I don't think Miami is going to be any kind of pushover at home for any team that they face this season, certainly not a team coming from the West Coast to the East Coast. And... I don't know. Uh, I, I keep looking at this game and I want to say that the Dolphins are going to lose it, but but my gut tells me right now that the Dolphins win. So I got the Dolphins getting back-to-back wins, sweeping LA in Miami to go to 4-4. Four and four. I like it. Well, as I mentioned, there's a streak of games against teams from at least a couple of time zones away, and the Dolphins end that streak in Week 9 as they travel to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And this is, again, that having to travel out west, not an easy thing to do. And I see the Dolphins coming up short in Arizona and losing yet again. So at this point in the season, I have the Dolphins at 3 and six after nine weeks brain. I really, really don't know what to make of this Arizona team. Uh, they're one of the more fascinating teams in the, in the entire league for me going into this season because of the development of Kyler Murray, the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and uh, with 
with the coach, which coach uh, Cliff uh, Kingsbury there uh, going to run that high octane offense to really see what it's going to look like with the quarterback of his choosing that he was so in love with uh, a year ago to see what this all looks like a year into it. Uh, I'm really excited to see what that looks like. I don't think Arizona has a very good defense, so I think they're going to be playing a lot of shootouts. Uh, I'm going to pick the Dolphins to lose this one in a shootout, but that's another one that I think could go either way. In Week 10, the Dolphins will welcome the New York Jets to Hard Rock Stadium. This would be billed as, you know, another Adam Gase return to Miami game. I think, however, that there is a real legitimate possibility that Adam Gase is no longer the coach of the Jets by the time the Jets come to Miami for this game. And if he's still the coach, my feeling is that he might not be the coach after the game because I think the Jets come into Miami and get a whooping from the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins pick up the win in week 10 against the Jets and head into the bye at a, at a, with a record of four and six. Yeah, I love it. I, I think we, uh, like, I, I agree. I don't know that Adam Gase makes it to week 10, but whether Adam Gase is there or not, I think we saw last year, uh, even when the Dolphins were really undermanned, how well we matched up with the Jets and I think we're only going to be better, and I'm just not sold on anything that the Jets are doing with that roster or with their, their coach or, or anything, really, that they're doing with that franchise. So in Miami, I think this is a convincing win for the Miami Dolphins to go to 5-5. Five and five. I got them 5-5 five and five going into the bye week. So as the Dolphins come out of the bye week, they again have the New York Jets. They travel to the Meadowlands to take on the Jets and their new head coach, Greg Williams as uh, Adam Gase has just been dismissed. And, uh, well, at least that's my prediction. Uh, and I think the Dolphins are going to get another win. I think they're going to do the double back-to-back games uh, with victories over the New York Jets and your Dolphins improve to 5-6. and six. I agree. I think they come off of the bye week, and uh, regardless of what the Jets are doing with their coaching staff, I, I think the Dolphins are not phased. They they come out ready to go and they get back over five hundred. I got them at six and five after winning in the Meadowlands and sweeping gangrene. Which takes us to week thirteen, where the Dolphins will come home to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that they almost lost to last year, and had they lost that game, would have made the end of the season look maybe a lot different than what it did and maybe would have made the offseason look a lot different as well. But as things panned out, the Dolphins won that game, picked fifth in the draft, ended up with Tua. The Bengals ended up with the one, number one overall draft pick. And their quarterback is Joe Burrow. And this will be Burrow coming in to Hard Rock Stadium. And I think I, there is actually a very good chance in my mind, that this game is a matchup of the two top quarterbacks taken in the 2020 NFL draft. Because I think by this point in the season, there is a possibility that Tua is your quarterback. Although then again, if the Dolphins are five and six and Cincinnati is coming to town, 
at five and six with with five weeks left in the season, you're still very much in the wild card hunt, especially if there are seven teams. And if that's the case, the Dolphins are in the wild card chase. Uh, I would think that they would still be going with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's a story for another time. At any rate, the Bengals come into town and the Bengals just do not have it. So the Dolphins get the win over the Bengals and move up to 500, a six and six record with four weeks to go in the season. Yeah, and I I just think Cincinnati, even no matter how good Joe Burrow is, I think Cincinnati as a complete roster isn't at the same level as where Miami is. I could be wrong on that. Maybe maybe where maybe the way the Bengals played last year was simply because they did not have a good quarterback. I don't know. I guess we'll find out just how good Burrow is and what kind of effect that'll have on that roster. Who knows if AJ Green uh, will be back playing this year, and maybe he goes and makes a huge difference to that team with him and and uh, and Burrow, uh, le- you know, leading that that offense at the helm. But at home, coming off of back to back victories over the Jets, the Dolphins are feeling good. The defense is is gelling. The offense is starting to gel, and the Dolphins keep it rolling. I got us at seven and five winning the first of three consecutive home games, a hugely important stretch for the Dolphins uh, coming into December to the home stretch of this season. So I got the Dolphins with the win going to seven and five. I like it. They're going to be the talk of the NFL at that point. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be a team that people are talking about. If, if they come into December, well, and this would be their first game in December, getting the win, so they would be 7-5 and five with four weeks left in the season, there would be quite a bit of buzz over your Miami Dolphins. Of course, all of the optimism that might be surrounding the team would probably is probably going to be stomped out pretty quickly when the Kansas City Chiefs come to town on December 13th in week 14 and defeat your Miami Dolphins. I just don't think the Dolphins have enough on either side of the ball to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are, who are by far one of the top two teams in the AFC and perhaps the entire NFL. Um, so I just, even though it's a home game, I don't see the Dolphins getting the win here. I think the Dolphins drop the game to Kansas City. Yeah, and and to your point, that if the Dolphins are seven and five coming into this game, they will be. Uh, one of the te- one of the teams most talked about in the NFL, and if they come into this game seven and five, this has a chance of being one of those games that gets flexed and ends up being, uh, you know, a Sunday night game or maybe a four thirty game, one of the premier games because at that point the Dolphins would be very much in the thick of the wild card race, and of course the Kansas City Chiefs will be expected to be uh, challenging for uh, a first-round bye, home field advantage, trying to defend their title as the reigning uh, Super Bowl champs. They come into Miami, where the last time they were there, they were hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. I think they come in supremely confident. I think the Dolphins, uh, you know, maybe give put up a little bit of a fight, but ultimately uh, the Chiefs just... We're not at that level yet. <laughs> Even if if Tua is playing and playing well at this point, he's not at that Mahomes level yet. I don't think our defense is yet at the point where they can stop a – I don't think any defense is at the point where they could stop that Chiefs offense, to be, to be frank with you. Uh, so I think the Chiefs come into Miami and get a victory. Which takes us to week 15, where the Dolphins close out that three-game homestand with the visit of Cam Newton. 
and the New England Patriots. And I, you know, the Dolphins, I think, are, are pretty much usually good for one victory over the Patriots each year. While I think they're going to be hard to pick out, I don't think the New England Patriots are going to be at the same kind of level that they've been at. And I think the Dolphins by this point are going to have a much better idea of who they are and who the Patriots are. And I think they're going to be able to come away with a victory in this game. So the Dolphins get the win, which makes them seven and seven with two weeks left in the season. And I think this is, I I think the Patriots get better as the season goes on. I think they start to gel offensively. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And I think that, Belichick at this point, this becomes a huge battle in the wild card race. And I think the Patriots may even still be at this point in contention to win the division. And I, I think this becomes just an absolute battle. And I just don't think as much as I love, uh, love picking the Dolphins to go into New England and win that, that opener, I think Belichick gets some revenge and kind of turns the tables a bit, and the Patriots come into Miami, and all of a sudden, a, se- a season that a couple weeks prior seemed like it had so much prov- uh, promise is now teetering on the edge, as I also have the Dolphins at 7-7 seven and seven going into the last two games of the season. So then we end up at week 16, and this is this one is interesting because the NFL has not put out a firm schedule for these games that are taking place around Christmas. Uh, the Sunday would be the 27th of December, but it looks uh, it's officially listed as a TBD game because I think the NFL is toying around with the idea of having four or five straight days of NFL football on national TV in the absence of what is typically college football bowl season which obviously with you know a couple major conferences not playing football this year who knows what that's going to look like so the NFL hasn't announced the the date of this game but in week 16 the dolphins will be traveling to Las Vegas to take on John Gruden's Las Vegas Raiders and you know, this is a game on paper where I think the Dolphins match up pretty well with the Raiders. But again, it's a trip out west and the Dolphins just traditionally don't travel that well when they head out west. And even against a team like the Raiders, I, I think this is a game that maybe it's maybe it's a heartbreaker. I think this is a, a game where the Dolphins are going to be feeling good and feeling like they should be able to go into Vegas and get a big win to be 8 and 7 coming into their final game of the season and be right in the thick of the playoff hunt, but I think the Dolphins come up just a little bit short in this one, drop it and fall to 7 and 8 with one game to go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Dolphins have had the Raiders number over the past I want to say like 20 years. Uh, aside from that that playoff loss where they blew us out in the second round of the playoffs, which I think was the year, it was either the year that they won- they made it to the Super Bowl or it was the, the year that Baltimore won the Super Bowl. It was one of those two years. Aside from that, it seems like, I mean, going back all the way to like the, the Zach Thomas, uh, Jason Taylor years and on, you know, basically the entire Wanstat era, even through like Joe Philbin and Adam Gase, we always seem to play well against the Raiders, no matter where the game is played. Uh, and I think we're a better team than the Raiders. So, uh, 
going into Vegas, uh, that doesn't phase me. I don't think it phases the Dolphins at this point. Coming off of back-to-back tough losses, still in the playoff race. I don't know that the same will be said for Vegas at this point. Um, I think maybe Vegas has, is, is in a similar spot going into this game as the Dolphins are. But this is kind of a playoff atmosphere, basically a playoff game for Miami. And Miami goes into Vegas and comes up with a victory to go to 8-7 and seven going into the last game of the season. You're right. The Dolphins have had the Raiders number for the last, you know, almost three decades. Um, you know, it really, you've got to go back to the 1980, uh, 1986 before you see the Raiders frequently defeating the Dolphins. So the Dolphins sort of have had their have had their number. Of course, there was that uh, playoff game that did not go particularly well, where the Dolphins were shut out by the Raiders. But hey, you know, whatever. Regular season games, Dolphins do pretty well. This takes us to the final week of the season, where the Dolphins travel to Buffalo on. The first game in the year 2021. So finally the 2020 uh, year on the calendar. We've turned the page and moved to 2021. And now things are not so weird anymore, potentially. And so it makes perfect sense for the Dolphins to travel to Buffalo in the wintertime in January and lose. And that's what I have happening. Dolphins lose at Buffalo to finish the season with... Wait for it, a record of seven and nine. Yeah, and what's so interesting about this game to me is that I can very much see a situation where Buffalo has already wrapped up the AFC East, but is not in contention for a first round bye, and thus ends up treating it like a preseason game, resting their players, in which case the Dolphins have a golden opportunity in a game where they go in at 8-7, and seven, I feel like 9-7 and seven gets you to the playoffs this year. That said, um, that's a tough thing to predict. I can also very easily see this as the Bills go into that game 10-5, and five, the Patriots go in to the last week of the season, nine and six. And so the Bills need to win this game to to clinch the AFC East. And so, like you said, the weird year of 2020 has ended. We have now switched the calendar to 2021. The Dolphins, a chance to get into the playoffs with a victory, have to travel to Buffalo in the snow. They're the same old Dolphins. They blow it on the last game of the season. They fall to 8-8 eight and eight and miss out on the playoffs. I love it. So I see the Dolphins ending the season at 7-9. and nine. You see the Dolphins ending the season at 8-8. Eight and eight. Either way, the Dolphins have taken a step forward. If, that, if that's where they end up, this is a team that will have taken a step forward this season, and I think that that is certainly going to be the case. I also, I mean, listen, there is a very real possibility that the Dolphins could end up with a similar record that they had last year. They could end up at 5-11. and 11. They could end up at 6-10. and 10. It's very, very easy. They could also easily end up at 9-7, and seven, or if things go exceedingly well for them, perhaps they end up at 10-6. and six. 
But I think the bottom line is this team is going to be better than it was last year, but they are not going to be legitimate contenders. Um, And so, again, this is really about tracking the improvement of these players, um, finding these guys that are going to be long term pieces and, and, and seeing some of these younger players come into their own. That's what this season is going to be all about all about. And that's what brings us to our predictions for some of our Dolphins 2020 season awards. We typically give these awards out at the halfway point of the season and then give them out again at the end of the season when we do our recap. Now we're going to make our predictions. And since we were just talking about young players, I think it's a good idea to start with the Dolphins Rookie of the Year. And I think what makes me really excited about this is that based solely on the reports coming out of camp, and we know that those can be misleading, but it sounds like the Dolphins have done a pretty good job and that there have been positive reviews of most of the Dolphins draft picks this year, with the exception of Curtis Weaver, who the Dolphins, you know, released and because of his injury or and all the other reasons. It sounds like we've heard some very good things about um, Robert Hunt, Raekwon Davis, Noah Igbenogany. It's been a lot of positivity there. There's been some good reports about Austin Jackson. We're hearing interesting things about Malcolm Perry. And, and it sounds like there's a very real possibility that Malcolm Perry makes this roster in some way, shape or form. And, you know, I just think that this rookie, this crop of rookies for the Dolphins, and maybe it's because there's more of them than usual. Maybe it's because the Dolphins drafted from an earlier spot, but I'm pretty excited about this Dolphins class of rookies. Now, if I have to pick the one that is going to be the rookie of the year, well, I know who I'm picking. Brain, who are you picking to be the Dolphins Rookie of the Year? We'll let you go first here. Mm, I think that the Dolphins Rookie of the Year will be an offensive lineman that plays or that starts 16 games. And that that could be any of those three offensive linemen that they drafted, uh, whether it's Austin Jackson, uh, Solomon Kinley, or Robert Hunt. But my gut says that Robert Hunt is going to be the reliable one that plays all 16 games and plays at a relatively high level, whether that's at tackle or guard. Uh, So I'm going Robert Hunt as the Dolphins rookie of the year. Interesting pick. But again, like I said, a lot of really great candidates. I'm going with a guy who's on the defensive side of the ball, a guy who I think is going to end up getting a lot of play because there are going to be teams that are going to be testing him. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about Noah Igbenogany. I think I see a lot of teams testing him early because the Dolphins do have a very, very strong defensive backfield and he's going to be a guy that teams go after. And I'm expecting him to rise to the challenge and become a stud. So my 2020 Dolphins rookie of the year, Noah Igbenogany. So now let's shift to the Dolphins' comeback player of the year. This is a player who I, I think last year the the winner was by miles and miles and miles, Devontae Parker, uh, a player who has maybe not lived up to his potential and who this year 
is going to come into their own and really shine. And I think a guy, the guy that that is for me, is a player who you're just generally not hearing a lot of buzz about. And part of that is because he he came off of an injury, and part of it is because the Dolphins have a pretty weak offensive line. But I think Jordan Howard is going to have a big year in the Dolphins' backfield. I expect him to break a thousand yards rushing this year and to be your Miami Dolphins 2020 comeback player of the year. I like it. Um, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the football, but stick with a player with the same name, Xavier Howard, who came off of a Pro Bowl season in 2018 and you know, had had a couple of flashes, had a couple of good games, but also a couple of of you know less than less than great games. We'll say uh, prior to getting injured and missing the majority of the season last year for the Dolphins, and he's just recently come back off of uh, first. It was uh, I guess it was you know the rehab from from the injury, and then also he was on the COVID list. But he is now back working out with the team at practice. And I think he's got a lot of a lot to prove. The Dolphins went out and spent a lot of money on Byron Jones. They went out and spent a first-round draft pick on the aforementioned Noah Igbenogany. And Xavier Howard now has to kind of prove his worth. Is he a is he a true number one corner in this league? Or was he just a guy that had a really gr- had a really nice couple of years, a really big breakout year, and then once he got paid, uh, just you know, we we're seeing the the slope of his career, and he'll never reach that level anymore. He's got a lot to play for because his guaranteed money is up after a couple of seasons, and whether he's playing for a roster spot. Uh, with the Dolphins uh, for the for the foreseeable future, or you know, keeping that contract with another team if the Dolphins choose to trade him, uh, it's it it's a it's a big year for Xavier Howard, and I think he answers the call. I think he is a legit top ten corner in this league, and I think he goes back to uh, that 2018 level. He proves it, and he is your Dolphins comeback player of the year. How about the offensive player of the year, Brain? I, I I I realize that I'm probably setting myself up to be burned on this one. But for the Dolphins offensive player of the year, I'm going with Devontae Parker. I think he's gonna build on the success that he had last year, and he's gonna have another very good season this year. Whether he's receiving passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tungavailoa, I think Devontae Parker is going to be your Miami Dolphins offensive player of the year. I got to tell you, this was the toughest of the the awards. This was the toughest one for me to project because, like you, my first thought is, who's the best offensive player on this team? And, and I tend to go towards Devontae Parker. But that said, I don't think he's going to do much better than he did last year. Now, granted, if he puts up the same numbers he did last year, he's probably still your offensive player of the year. But remember that at the time that Preston Williams got hurt, 
Preston Williams was actually leading the Dolphins receiving core. He was leading the Dolphins in receiving yards at the time that he got hurt. And it wasn't until he got hurt that Devontae's production really reached that next level. Now, that's not to say that Devontae wasn't playing well prior to Preston Williams getting hurt. But once Preston Williams got hurt, Devontae's production really went up. His target share went up and he continued to produce at that high level and then had a couple of big games down the stretch against really big against really good competition that really kind of elevated him into the national picture. But that said, I do think Devontae Parker is the best receiver on the team. I don't think the Dolphins are going to have any running backs that that really blow me out of the water. I do think Mike Gasicki will have uh, will continue to improve, but I don't think Gasicki's going to put up better numbers than Devontae Parker. So I'm, I think we're in agreement on this one. I'm going to go with Devontae Parker. Where are you at on the defensive player of the year? This, this one, I, I thought, uh, to me, there's a lot of guys that I could see having standout years, but I think, I think the Dolphins could have three, four, maybe even five pro bowlers on this defense. Probably not five. I think we're going to have three or four pro bowlers on this defense. The guys that, that come to mind are Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, and Kyle Van Noy. Uh, I do think Jerome Baker, honorable mention. He kind of does a little bit of everything. But the guy that I think is going to really make this defense work and is going to be the most important piece for the defense is the guy that the Dolphins spent well, I guess they didn't spend the most money on him, but they did give him a considerable contract in free agency, and that's Kyle Van Noy. I think Kyle Van Noy is going to is potentially going to lead the Dolphins in sacks. He is probably going to lead or be very close to the top for the Dolphins' defense in in defensive snaps played. I think he's going to be utilized in a lot of different ways at that linebacker position. Uh, whether it's lined up in the middle, whether it's stopping the run, whether it's dropping back in coverage or getting after the passer. I think Kyle Van Noy is an extremely important piece, and he is going to get my vote for Dolphins Defensive Player of the Year. It's a good pick, and he was somebody that I absolutely considered while I was looking at this, and I kind of had a hunch that maybe you would choose him, so I didn't. I went away from him, although I stayed in the linebacker core. I think it's Jerome Baker. I'm expecting Jerome Baker, who does a little bit of everything, to have a big, big breakthrough year this year for the Miami Dolphins and to be the defensive player of the year on this team. I think he's gonna he's going to prove why he is such a sort of multifaceted weapon that the Dolphins have in that linebacker court this season. So I'm going with I'm going with Jerome Baker. Let's go to the MVP. I'm very curious as to who you pick. Now we before we started recording here, we we talked that the rule for this is that the Dolphins MVP cannot be one of the other award winners. It can't be the offensive or defensive player of the year. It needs to be somebody else. So with that being said, who is your Miami Dolphins team most valuable player? To me, the most valuable player on this team is the guy that still is the leader of this locker room, is still the guy that is really giving the Dolphins a chance 
in just about every game this season, it still fits magic to me. Uh, I, I think that while this will likely be his last year down here, I still think very, I, I think, you know, provided he stays healthy, I think he starts the entire way. I think he, he plays all 16 games of the regular season if, if he's healthy. I don't think Tua unseats him. I think Tua sits the entire year. Maybe he gets some run in some games that are already decided in the fourth quarter. But I think Fitzpatrick is the reason that everybody is excited about this team and it, it, it makes this team fun to watch. Obviously, I think the defense will be good and, and the team as a whole will improve. But I still think Ryan Fitzpatrick, the unquestioned leader of that locker room and of this team, is the Dolphins MVP. And that is my pick as well. I I just think back to when we found out that the Dolphins had, were signing Fitzpatrick and I thought this guy is going to be fun to watch because he's a little bit of a gunslinger. He... You know, he he's exciting to watch. He is certainly not a boring player. And the fact is, we've really seen him grow into that leadership role with this team. And he really is kind of, in a lot of ways, sort of the heart and soul of this Miami Dolphins team. A team that, as you suggested, is probably only going to be, he'll, he'll have been a part of the Dolphins for two years at the end of this. And I think that's all we're going to get out of him. But before the passing of the torch actually happens, I expect that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have one more great year with your Miami Dolphins. And I think I think it's right. I think we're going to hear some buzz maybe after those first five weeks of the season where I have the Dolphins sitting at one and five that we're going to hear maybe it's time to turn it over to Tua. But my thought is, no, you got to stick with Fitzpatrick. He's the guy that gives you the best chance to win right now. He's the guy that has the experience and I think he is going to be the most valuable player for your 2020 Miami Dolphins. So those are our predictions. They are in the books. And now it's almost time to sit back and watch how it all plays out. Um, That brings us to the end of this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. Brain, tell the people where they can find you. can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Every episode is available on DolphinsTalk.com. So we hope that you will visit DolphinsTalk.com every day, as well as download, rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast feed. So if you haven't subscribed to that one, do that as well. You'll hear us on the flagship show, the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast later this week or next week, rather, um, to join a roundtable discussion about the 2020 season. And then after this, we're really starting to get now into our regular season form. This is our kind of last official off-season show. We're going to be back next week with our week one preview episode. And from there, we'll go back to the format of doing a couple of shows each week. We'll have one show previewing the upcoming game, and then the next show we'll be reviewing the previous week's game and, and sort of talking through it. So you'll be able to expect two episodes each week 
of The Same Old Dolphin Show. And again, you can either subscribe directly to The Same Old Dolphin Show or subscribe to the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast feed to receive our show right in your podcast app along with every episode of the DolphinsTalk.com daily podcast. All right. Here we go. It's cut down day for the Miami Dolphins. They're going to they're going to get their roster down to 53 men when we come back when you hear from us again on this show, we will be talking about that 53 man roster and any surprises along the way as well as previewing the Dolphins week 1 matchup against Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. But until then, take care of yourselves and each other and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from Gold.